Alrighty, folks, it is the end of November. As of the end of November 2023, we are now at the official end of the 24-month estimate that DOD made for CMMC 2.0 rulemaking in November of 2021. So any number of days beyond today uh, is an additional amount of time beyond their original estimate. So we're going to talk about CMMC rulemaking but mostly in the context of the November Cyber AB Town Hall CMMC Ecosystem Year in Review Victory Parade Extravaganza Bonanza Time on the AB Town Hall that they just talked about. So we're going to go into the details of what they shared and uh, some of the questions that were asked during the town hall as well. Usually this is the, the town hall where they come through and we, we find out how the ecosystem's growing and what's going on and things like that. And then they wrap it up for the year and they say, Nothing in December. Surprise, surprise. We'll get to that later. But uh, realistically, they came through and they gave us the stats and, and they gave us, you know, some some news. First and foremost, Jacob, uh, leading with that, the year is a new board of directors. The new officers have been elected to the board of directors, ending the reign of Jeff Dalton. Um, all of them provided recorded statements of uh, all of them provided recorded statements as to what they expect to bring and stuff like that. Those recordings are available. And, and that's basically it. And then once we got through the board of directors, Jacob, um, we got into some stuff that probably really excited you, but it's nothing necessarily new to us. Uh, CMMC rulemaking news, right? And, and you know, um, yeah. they had a lot to say about that. What, what were your feelings about what they said? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, uh, basically at this point, you know, uh, as of the end of November, the rule is going to be out the first or second week in December at this point. So, you know, they didn't make 24 months in the grand scheme of things they're going to make. 24 and a half months, 24 months and two weeks, which, you know, as we've talked about before, is pretty good for a government estimate for a major program, especially one as complicated and as bureaucratic as as rulemaking. So, uh, you know, if they're if they're plus or minus two weeks, that's basically, you know, a rounding error in terms of government estimates. So close enough that you'd still call it uh, within their original estimate. Matt Travis thinks that the rule, you know, his sort of gut feeling is that 1st of December sounds nice. I don't think it'll be, the, you know, the 1st of December. I think it's going to be the first or second week of December. I definitely don't think it'll be uh, beyond mid-December. I think it's probably 99% chance that it'll end up getting published, you know, before we're halfway through December for sure. Because it definitely won't get published the week of Christmas. Um, and three weeks into December just seems too long. So I'm going to go ahead and say that it's going to be the first or second week of December with 99% certainty. And like, as you said, during the town hall, normally they don't have a town hall in December, but you know, uh, because the rule is expected, they're going to have some sort of a special event town hall dealio where they're going to have, they said people on uh, to sort of discuss initial takeaways of the rule. But as we've mm -hmm. talked about before, this rule is supposed to be like 150, 200 pages long even short rules are not exactly easy reads. Um, yeah. You know, we read a lot of them and they, you know, they have their own peculiar way. They're, they're, they're pretty dense. So uh, it's probably just going to be high level takeaways, initial summaries, you know, the same thing that you're going to hear on a lot of like webinars and posts and stuff, just like the initial skim layer information, which is, which is important to know. Um, but it'll probably be days or weeks before people are able to really dig through the the meat of the rule and sort of sequence everything and have those takeaways, but they'll have a special event in December following. And it, 
it's not just the meat of the rule that people have to digest. It's 10 total documents, you know? So there's going to be 10 documents that everybody's going to have to parse through. Um, So obviously there's going to be a lot of high level takes that come out and, you know, like the rush to get the best screen grab is going to be uh, in full effect. But realistically, yeah, I mean, my thing with the rule is it's sort of, I'm sort of approaching it in two different buckets. You have the CMC documentation, the, the, you have the assessment guides, uh, you've got the scoping documents, you've got the hashing guide, you've got the, uh, you know, procedural stuff about, you know, the actual CMMC model documentation, but then you've got a bunch of other stuff in the rule that is mm-hmm. like policy side stuff, right? Which is how is DOD going to explain their, uh, trade-off on impacting small businesses? Uh, right. how are they going to exploit like all of these things that we've seen in previous rules are all sort of like continuations of, of government policy. And then you've got the actual X's and O's of the CMMC model itself. You're going to have both of those things in the rule, which is probably why the rule is so long or rumored to be so long. Um, so there's just a lot of different things to dig through, but that's, that's sort of how I'm imagining it's going to break down. And then one of our, so, so moving on from that, one of our most favorite parts of the cyber AB town halls is the Keiko corner. This month might not be your most favorite because I'm pretty sure you haven't followed through on one of your checklist notes. Nope. Right. <laughs> and so you, Jacob, they, they made an announcement for anybody that's a PAA. They pretty much just have this so, section talking to me. <laughs> yeah. That's just, they should have been a big picture of a guy with a red beard saying, basically you have until the 31st of December, if you're a PA to get your CCP. And your CCA, get your stuff done, get your certs done, right? Yeah, geez, and then you've been what have you been doing? <laughs> and then there's yeah, what could you have possibly been doing for the past? I don't know, three and a half years that you've been a PA, but just me, no big deal. Look, and then in addition to that, when you're preparing for that, Jacob, use uh, version five point six point one of the CAP, the CMMC assessment process guide. Right there, um, apparently is multiple versions, but if you went through a licensed training provider, that's the one you should have learned from. And if you are a PA, you can reach out to the AB and get the information from yeah. them um, to get the right version. Yeah, but do not then, use the public comment version of the CAP for your studying for your exams. Yes, please do not. Then we move, Jacob, and this is where I think we're going to spend a lot of time hovering over this part of the Cyber AB Town Hall, which is when we covered the year in review for CMMC. Big year, huge year, right? Like, but the, there's just no way for us to really grasp what it is until you start seeing numbers and you start seeing things show up. And so they gave us numbers of the ecosystem and the roles in the ecosystem. And they gave us highlight events that they want to take, you know, to to jump on and say, we've accomplished this this year and some are impressive. What I I know that you've seen the numbers, what stood out to you the most about what um, was was given to us in this year in review? Yeah. So the the biggest takeaway for me is the increase in the number of certified CMMC roles. So the CCPs mm-hmm. and the CCAs. So the actual people who are certified to participate on assessment teams. And I think mm-hmm. that's the number that everybody should pay attention to because uh, everybody worries about assessment capacity in the ecosystem, which is what we're going to talk about when we get to Q&A. But uh, for the number of uh, so let's just talk about C3PAOs, CCAs, and CCPs. So the assessment organizations, the uh, certified assessors, the certified professionals. So they started November of at, in November of 2022. So a year ago, there were uh, 29 authorized C3PAOs. As of November of 2023, one year later, 
48 authorized C3PAOs. They've added 19 C3PAOs. It's an increase of 66%. As we'll talk about, the number of C3PAOs isn't really the best number to look at as far as the uh, assessment capacity of the ecosystem, because you can have many teams that work for any one given C3PAO, but mm -hmm. having additional C3PAOs is always better, right? So uh, a, it's, a, it's a significant increase over the course of a year. And this is something that we're going to talk about when we get to the Q&A. Um, everybody has to remember, right, that the uh, the same justification that people use for not implementing 171 and not getting started uh, counts for companies that would be C3PAOs as well, right? Like if the rule's not out and the ecosystem isn't rolling, you're going to have a bunch of companies that aren't going to finish going through the process of being a C3PO because there's nothing for them to do yet. You have to have the rule done so that the assessments can start for the demand to pick up for a bunch of companies to jump in as C3PAOs. So not having a million C3PAOs before the rule is out doesn't necessarily mean that you will continue to have a small number of C3PAOs. And we see this with the number of applied uh, companies that have applied to become C3PAOs, which is uh, 459 as of November of 2023. So there's a large pool. Some of that is constrained by the capacity of DIBCAC's assessments uh, capacity for them to certify the C3PAOs uh, and send them through their assessments. Um, but there's, you know, obviously a bunch of pent up demand here. Now, when you get to the CCAs and the CCPs, this is sort of where the biggest increases happened. And they were, they were larger than I thought they would be. So uh, CCAs over the last 12 months, they added 117 CCAs, which is a 216% increase. And then for the CCPs, they added 396 additional CCPs for a total of 641 people CCP certified which is an increase of 162%. So that is a massive increase in the number of people who could potentially participate on assessment teams. So the other, oh, what's up? I, so I wanted to point out the number that everybody's going to jump to is the RPs and the drastic drop in the RPs, right? Yeah. But let's talk about this for a second. We <laughs> just showed you where that number went or partially the AB has showed you where the number has, has went. 93 people, have become RPAs, which is a step up from the RP designation, right? right? 396 people have become CCPs. Remember right. the OGs, and you said this all the time, the OGs, remember anything with an R, the, the RP, it was just in the PA and all that, those were supposed to be temporary designations, right? Until the real certification yes. stuff came also, out. Also, if anybody, so I've looked for it back in the day, if anybody can find it, you know, uh, call to action for anybody listening to this podcast. If you can find the video circa 2020-ish, when the AB first started and they sort of announced this ecosystem role setup, I distinctly remember there being webinars or whatever where they were explaining that the RP, RPO structure was designed to be temporary. That was because they needed to stand up the certification process. They needed to stand up all this other stuff. Body. Like it was going to take more time. And since people already have requirements that they need to be implemented, they initiated this RP RPO structure as a way to like get stuff kickstarted, but it wasn't designed to be forever. So, you know, people are, you know, sort of like focused on the decrease, a uh, drop of 30% of uh, the total number of RPs. So down to a little over 1300 as of, uh, as There's... of November 2023, same thing about a 30% decrease in RPOs. Personally, my thing, 
Who cares? RPs and RPOs don't participate in assessments. Everybody's worried about assessment capacity. The assessment capacity roles are increasing by triple digits. So who cares? And those those people that are causing that increase are the reasons the, de the, the decrease is happening, right? Those people that are RPs and no nobody's right mind is going to be an RP and a CCP at the same time. In the same token, nobody's going to be an RPA and an RP at the same time. Enough of that topic. It's growing. You may look at this number and you'll be like, shot, oh my God, they, they've lost 572 RPs. I don't Yeah, yeah. because they, they've elevated themselves, okay? I mean, that, that's exactly it. You know, some people were, left. Don't get say there were zero, people left the ecosystem. Yeah. It, it, economics it aside, the economics of the AB business model, whether you agree or disagree, all that aside, if RPOs went away tomorrow, but CCPs and CCAs continued to increase by triple digits, it's, all the, it's the only thing that matters. Right. Economics aside, 100%. The number of people yeah. who are who are getting certified to participate in assessments is the only metric that we really care about. That's it. And then but and then the ones that are waiting to be assessing organizations, 460 organizations, right? There's 444 last year, okay? And 460 are waiting to be candidate C3PAOs this year. And 19 of those companies of the 444 last year became C3PAOs this year. So realistically, it's actually four, an improvement of four over a year. I, yeah. I get it, but still, it's, it, it's yeah. there. It's just basically constraints, capacity, DIPCAC getting the assessments done, et cetera. Yeah, now, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that when we get to the Q&A, but the numbers for the numbers, the one, numbers that matter are going up. That's all you, you see. I, numbers, numbers get me all steamed up. I'm sorry. You saw how excited <laughs> I got right there, dude. I'm so I apologize to everybody in the audience. But let's move on to highlights and milestones because this is when they started. Let's our hit list. This is what we've done this year, right? First and foremost, they started with the CCA program being launched, right? The CCA certification, very, very important, very, very huge milestone for the um, AB to, and the KCO to get uh, you yep. know out of the way in 2023. Moving it on. Then we talked about JSVAs and the growth of the JSVA initiative. It was over a year ago that that was introduced, but it really started ramping up, right? They were like, well, let's try this in a sample when it was first introduced. And then it just kept going yep. and kept going. And, 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 and at, sorry, on the note on JSVAs, like we've talked about in the past, right? Like there's not a million JSVAs occurring, but there's also a non-zero number of JSVAs <laughs> that have occurred. So when the CMMC rule comes out and people are like, is this going to work? They can be like, we've done a dozen or two dozen or three dozen, or we've done 75 JSVAs, which have been uh, essentially CMMC assessments conducted mm -hmm. jointly by a C3PAO and DOD's organic assessment team. So we know that the process works. We know that companies can get through it. We've got a set of N number of companies that are able to go through the assessment and get the certification just fine. So, you know, it... Not everybody needs the GSVA for various reasons, but the fact that JSVAs have successfully occurred and will continue to successfully occur is a huge talking point that the DoD gets to make. Uh, and I think that's sort of a how the chess game of defending CMMC once the rule is out. They've mm -hmm. got a lot of stuff on their side where they can point to this and they can point to that and they can point to this and they'd be like, we thought of that. We already did this. We've already tested it out. It's already successful. Next, next, next. So just a different way of looking at the JSVA numbers. Absolutely. And then, and maybe you can help me on this, the draft cap mm -hmm. revision workshops. If I remember correctly, that's when they said that they were going to um, engage industry, engage people in the ecosystem to come in and help revise the cap. Is, is that uh, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So the CMMC assessment process document 
Obviously, that document will have to be updated uh, after the rule is out, depending on what the the specific language and wording and and uh, you know minutia of the rule dictate. But the AB published what they called the draft cap document, and mm -hmm. uh, they had revision workshops for people to contribute to it. Um, you know, so they were staying busy. You know, they've been revising the draft document. It'll have to be continued. You know, to be revised once the rule is out. But um, and, but yeah, I mean, the, the cap document exists in some rough form at this point. And remember, it's a draft, right? And when when should we expect the final? That's the question that I asked during the town hall, and it was answered. Is that essentially once the cyber AB receives the rule, they will start formulating a plan and attacking the process of finalizing the cap. Yeah. However long that takes, who knows? How much it changes, who knows? But that's what the plan is in place. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about revising the cap after the rule, after it's been being revised to whatever degree it can via the draft mm -hmm. and the revision workshops, we're talking of months. We're not mm -hmm. talking years. We're not talking 18 months, right? We're, I mean, even if you say it's six months for them to revise it, that's way less time than it takes for a company to go from zero to having fully implemented their 171 baseline. And this is a pattern we're going to talk about again, over and over again, like we've talked about in the past, the amount of time that remains on rulemaking, the amount of time that makes on CMMC, AB, changes in the cap and stuff like that, all of these other things that have to be updated according to the rule take less time than it takes for you to fully implement 800 And I, once those times are converted, then you know, stuff starts to get real dicey for companies that are waiting on the rule. I, I do have a question. Maybe you can help us or uh, somebody can help us once they hear this, is that like, that cap has to be finalized before a C3PO can perform an assessment, right? There has to be a finalized document that guides that assessment process, right? Yeah, it would make sense that they would be it's, out of draft. Right. So if they're waiting till the full the rule is done, we know the rule is going to propose. Are, are we assuming that that period in between the rule going proposed and, and being finalized um, through the comment period and all that is when they're going to update the, the, the cap and then we can feasibly expect yeah. that no C3PO assessments can take place? Well, yeah, so the, the C3PO assessments won't be able to start until the rule is final, right? right. So we're going to publish the rule here in December of 2023. There's going to mm -hmm. be a public comment period, and then DOD is going to go away. They're going to collect all those comments. They're going to adjudicate them. They're going to respond to them in a final rule. Once the final rule is published, assessments can begin. So okay. once, the, once the proposed rule is published here in the next two weeks, the AB is going to pick that up. They're probably going to go in. They're going to pull out all the parts. They're going to revise the cap. They're going to do whatever. And then we're going to be sitting there with a cap that's 99% done. The final rule comes out and they go, yep, okay. Because there's not going to be a, a very big difference or really a meaningful difference for the most part between a final rule and a proposed rule. Because if there were significant changes in a final rule compared to its proposed version, you have to start the rulemaking process over again. Like sure. we've talked about in the past, it's part of the reason why rulemaking takes so long is so that agencies can ensure that they won't be changing the rule very much, which is a big point of irony because mm -hmm. everyone's expecting that their public comments will significantly change the substance and the structure of a rule. And it, that can't happen unless you restart the rulemaking process. So public comments tend to be, they tend to not have as much leverage yeah. over changing the rules as, as people think, but absolutely, yeah, you know, all these things are going to lag behind the publication of the rule, but not by very much. Speaking of things that are going to be around the publication of the rule or that are going to be impactful in the publication of the rule, um, 
one of the milestones that they celebrated was the release of 800-171 Revision 3, right? Um, yeah, I mean, that's still in the draft process. That is on track for being released as final in Q1 of 2024, mm-hmm. probably right around the end of the comment period for the CMC rule. And then as we talked with Ron Ross on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, they're going to be revising 800-172 as well. Um, That's exciting. So, you know, there's a bunch of variables that are all interdependent on one another, and they can all change and be revised independently of it's, one another. So it's a lot to track. It's a lot to know what's going on. But it's 171 Rev 3, like we talked about before, whatever's happening in CMMC is the weather. 171 and 172 changes are climate change, essentially, right? Like they might revise it and then there's some period of lag before the CMMC assessment process catches up to those changes. But eventually you will be assessed against those changes, no matter what. I I feel like that we're going to go in this never ending loop really quickly that it's just going to go, all right, CMMC done, then NIST revision done, another NIST revision done, then CMMC redoes its stuff to make up for that and et cetera. Also, they celebrated on the Cyber AB Town Hall, Jacob, CMMC in Canada. Sure I can't, I cannot get that acronym down. I'm not going to try it. Uh, <laughs> we mess listen, it up every time. We it, mess it up every of, time. It, why can't it just be CMMCA, right? Um, listen. So, like, <laughs> like, it, we'll, it's there. We'll get it one day. But it's nice more, to see it expanding. But one, one of the things that you said, and what I expect to see in, in this next year's review, is that you expect to see it in other countries as well. Oh, yeah, 100%. So that's something that we talked about on the last episode. They're revi- They're going to start doing rulemaking to revise DFAR 7012. Guess what, everybody? <laughs> Just about the time you're done with CMMC rulemaking, we're going to do rulemaking for 7012. It's going to be a constant process, right? 853 is never going to stop being revised, which means derivative standards will never stop being revised, which means corresponding assessment programs like CMMC will never stop being revised, blah, 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 on and on and on. So, you know, there's going to be there's going to be some sort of bilateral agreement via DFAR 712 and how it will be assessed with Japan and the UK and Australia and Canada and New Zealand and all of these allied countries that, you know, are part of the global dib. Uh, are going to have to, you know, come to some sort of agreement that's probably a function of 7012 more so than it is a function of the 7021 CMMC rule. So, you know, we're going to we're going to have to learn this C- the CMMC in Canada acronym and then like 17 other C- acronyms because they inevitably won't be like CMMC Japan, CMMC Canada, CMMC France. It's going to be its own of course it's going to be its own acronym for every country, but I I expect that we're going to see more uh, an acceleration of, of those announcements, you know, through next year. And then just touching on the rest of the highlights really quickly. And if you have anything to chime in on, just let me know, but the CMMC rule submitted to OIRA, we've talked about that extensively. It's there, it's coming plus end days. What's in, we don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, we got, this is the, this is the, the next two topics are were the funniest ones for me. I giggled when I read them. They say that one of the highlights of 2023 was that we got a sneak peek at the rule docs. Yeah. We were yeah, given like a sneak it's, peek. Like it's the Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah, yeah like I got sneak peek in a, a new movie. So as far as the OIRA part goes, so the thing we were waiting on was CM, CMMC rule gets submitted to OIRA. That means that DOD is done with the rule as far as they're concerned. That happened in July, which is when we started beating the drum. And we were like, please, if you... 
if you don't believe in rulemaking up until this point, that's the signal that rulemaking's almost done. And sure enough, OIRA's got 90 days plus a possible 30-day extension, so 90 to 120 days. Here we are, about 120 days later, and the rule is done with OIRA review. Now, a normal part of the rulemaking process is Paperwork Reduction Act analysis, information collection review analysis pursuant to the Paperwork Reduction Act. Anytime the government is going to ask people to do stuff and then respond to government inquiries, they have to estimate the burden and the impact on people's time, right? That's what the Paperwork Reduction Act is doing at a very high level. I'm not a lawyer. Google it. Anyways, uh, part of these information collection review uh, analyses are is that they get they get posted on the OIRA website. The problem is, is that when the information collection review pertains to the CMC model documents and you post the model documents way before the rule is published, you essentially give away large swaths of the content of the rule. And I think that OIRA probably didn't anticipate how much attention is swirling around this rule. So everybody's like, it's a, you know, we even did it too. We were like, they leaked it. What, what's going on? This is crazy. And then once you sort of, you know, after the smoke clears, you're like, oh, well, this is like a routine thing that normally no one cares about, but because it's CMMC, everybody's, you know, freaking out about so, it. So. Sir, the socially accepted term is sneak peek. Sneak peek. Yeah, the sneak peek. Okay. <laughs> If you would, if you would refer to this correctly, okay, it was not a leak. It was a yeah. The, the CMMC rule trailer during the halftime show. Now, the other one that made me giggle was he put they put in quotes on the slide invited to participate in the DODIG audit. Like, thanks for thanks for inviting us to a cookout. Congratulations, yeah. you've been invited to the cookout, right? No, um, <laughs> no one wants to go. Listen, I'm sure the IG is a bunch of nice people. No one wants to go to their cookout. This was this reminded me more of like. When, when I was on active duty and uh, there's going to be a formation at, uh, you know, eight in the morning. And as that trickles down through the ranks, you're like, well, everybody needs to be in place by 7.30. And then mm -hmm. as it trickles down, everybody needs to be in place by seven o'clock. And pretty soon you're standing outside before the sun is up. It's six o'clock in the morning for something that's not going to happen for two hours. And inevitably what happens is commanding officer gets in front of the formation. They go, thanks for coming, everybody. <laughs> First of all, like it was an option. Second of all, we've been here for four hours. So getting invited to a DOD IG audit is a lot like that, where I just know that they probably opened that call where they're like, thanks for coming. <laughs> we didn't have a choice. We're not, this is not an invitation, but, do you, but yeah. Do you I get like, like a refreshments list? Do you have any food allergies before you come to your IG audit? Like, yeah, what's, what's I like happening they put here? it in quotes. Long story um, short, the IG announced they were going to do an audit of the DOD's accreditation process for C3 PAOs. This sure. was mostly coincidental. A lot of the CMMC flat earthers out there were like, see, see, there's there's fraud, waste, and abuse. And as we talked about, I think there's been like over 100 different IG audit project announcements uh, through the year. There are like a dozen announced every month. It's just par for the course, man. It's just what they do. I think yeah, like many things involved with CMMC, CMMC j itself just has horrible timing where you're like, of course, the IG is going to announce some sort of an audit project while they're in a part of rulemaking where DOD can't comment on anything. And so conspiracies run amok. And of course, this sort of routine 
OIRA review process is going to spill the beans on a sneak peek of the CMMC mm-hmm. documents. Everybody's going to go, why did they do that? It's just, mm-hmm. it's just a, the story of CMMC is the story of just very awkward timing and coincidence, if, if nothing else. Yeah. And then um, timing, talk about timing. I don't know about coincidence, but ecosystem events, you know, just happened to um, one of the highlights they wanted to point out was that the ecosystem events surrounding CMMC continue to grow, right? People continue to host them. The AB continues to participate in them. And, 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 and then the last topic that they covered as far as the highlights for 2024, which is one that really gets you excited, is the reaffirmation of CMMC through the National Cybersecurity Strategy, right? Yeah, I think that it, you know we will link to uh, the episode back when the when the Natty Strategy was published. If you go down the tenets of the National Security Strategy, it the the CMMC program lines up directly with exactly what the National Security Strategy is trying to do. Uh, you know they don't mention it by name because it's it's radioactive for the government to uh, you know tell industry that they're going to try to have assurance over basic security requirements for the government's data for some reason. Um, but yeah, we'll link to that analysis. The one that I added on to that made me think of it was the DOD's cyber strategy in alignment with the national cyber strategy does mention CMMC directly by name. We have a whole episode on this from uh, several weeks ago. And mm-hmm. so when the DOD says CMMC is a distinct part of our cybersecurity strategy in order to uh, be in alignment <clears throat> with the national cyber strategy and the national defense strategy. Uh, it's a strong signal that the DOD is taking it very seriously. So we'll link to those. Jacob, in the early parts of this show, when we first started back in our day, when we were young bucks, um, we had a part of the show, which was my absolute favorite. It turned out to be a, a nice hobby of ours where we would peruse through the town hall question and answers. And then we would open... If you've ever seen the Tony Kornheiser show, Tony's Mailbag, well, we would open Jacob's Mailbag and we would ask questions from the town hall to... Oh, man. We could have called the show Around the Horn. We could have. I think there would have been some trademark. Missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. Anyways, sorry Uh, to interrupt. Keep going. No. So I want to open Jacob's Mailbag again, right? Like I want to ask a question from the CMMC town hall to you and then... Let us talk about it a little bit, okay? Um, This one is particularly important because we talked about numbers throughout the episode. And this question says that there are only 48 C3PO's authorized at the moment. How is that going to impact the rollout of the CMMC certification? That's way too few. Yeah, so um, this this probably comes up, I think, on every town hall. This is very common Mm-hmm. In our webinars, we get this in the YouTube comments, which we love. Please leave them. We love reading your comments. Everybody says there's not enough assessment capacity. There's not enough assessors. There's not enough assessment organizations. There's not enough assessment capacity in the ecosystem for every for everybody to get an assessment that needs one, that wants one. Mm-hmm. So this person says there's only 48 C3PAs authorized as of November of 2023. First, they say, how will that impact the rollout of CMMC certification? Uh, It won't. It won't impact the rollout of CMMC certification, specifically because the phased rollout from DOD's perspective. Now, this is very important. From the DOD's perspective, they have plenty of assessment capacity to start the rollout because DOD is not saying that they're going to put CMMC in every contract the day the rule is final. DOD is not saying that 
the 80,000 estimated companies that will need a level two certification are going to need to get a level two certification in the first year or the first month or on the first day. The DOD is going to say, no, 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 we're going to put in the CMMC clause in just a few contracts for the first year and blah, blah, blah. There's probably going to be a bunch of hemming and hawing in the rule about how they're going to selectively insert the clause, and it will only impact a small number of companies the first year to allow for assessment capacity to grow. I'm almost certain that the rule will say something to that extent. And they're correct from their perspective. They don't need a thousand C3 PAOs. They don't need 10,000 assessors because they're not planning on needing to have that much assessment capacity in their rollout. Unfortunately, that's true. That's a valid position. That's a true fact. But for everyone else in industry, you are at the mercy of your customer who probably isn't directly the DOD. And those market dynamics care way less about what the DOD's rollout happens to be because you know exactly what's going to happen. Assessments are going to be available once the rule goes final and prime customers are going to say, where's your certification? When's your, when's your certification? What's your plan? How, why aren't you certified yet? When are you going to be certified? Blah, 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 blah. Right. Mm -hmm. So from the DOD's perspective, that's a perfectly valid number to start their rollout. And there's really nothing they can do if other people have a bunch of demand for CMMC certifications. That's not what mm -hmm. they're requiring of the ecosystem. So they're going to just sort of wipe their hands of that problem. So one of the other things that this question said was, does DIBCAC have sufficient capacity to impact the number of C3PAOs? And this was, this was really interesting to me. So let's, let's talk about these numbers that they gave us in the town hall. So the number of assessment teams is more important to look at than the number of C3PAOs when you're measuring the capacity of the ecosystem, assessment, assessment capacity in the ecosystem, when you're looking at the constraint on assessment capacity in the ecosystem. It's the number of possible assessment teams, not the number of assessment organizations. So number of C3PAOs, not all that important. If we extrapolate forward the number of C3PAOs that we have, Assuming that the rule publication doesn't somehow spike demand because now it's suddenly real to people, you know, mm -hmm. we could easily end up with 70, 75 C3PAOs. And that's a lot. That's especially a lot for the first year of a phased rollout. Uh, anyways, like we talked about earlier on the C3PAO note, there's a bunch of companies, obviously, from the numbers that are waiting to become a C3PAO. They're probably waiting on the rule, just like a bunch of OSCs are waiting on the rule to start their implementation takes way less time for a company to become a C3PAO than it does for an OSC to fully implement 800-171. So I imagine that with the publication of the proposed rule and especially the final rule, we're going to see big jumps in the number of C3PAOs and sort of the number of certified assessor assessment team roles. Okay, so I think that the better um, number for the constraint on assessment capacity is what are known as lead assessors. So this is a role in the ecosystem. If you read the cap, if you read study for your CCP and your CCA, it's the lead assessor on an assessment. So you got to go through CCP, you got to go through CCA, you got to get your lead assessor cert that's still sort of being hammered out. Um, but essentially at this point, we can see that we have a bunch of assessment team member roles like CCPs and CCAs growing rapidly by triple digits 
that will probably only continue as the rule gets published. So let's just say that half of the CCAs become lead assessors. So we get mm -hmm. 85 lead assessors. That's 85 assessment teams because you have plenty of people who are CCAs and CCPs to staff those teams, right? So 85 teams, just for reference, <clears throat> historically DibCAC has only had five teams. And with five teams at DibCAC moving at the speed of governments, they did about 110 assessments a year. Okay. Recently, DibCAC has gone on a big hiring spree. They've hired like 100 extra people, right? Like a, a huge increase in, in yeah. the number of people that DibCAC has. We assume that that gives DibCAC somewhere in the neighborhood of like 10 to 15 teams, which would give them the capacity of like 300 to 350 assessments a year. So this speaks to there's going to be a lot more capacity to push more C3PAOs through, but it's also going to have more capacity for the few number of companies that are going to need CMMC level three assessments. But let's just say that with 85 CMMC assessment teams, based off of how fast DibCAC goes, because I don't imagine they'll go any slower than DibCAC, with 85 assessment teams, that would give you somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,700 assessments per year. I don't think that the DOD is going to come out with the phased rollout and estimate that they're going to do more than 1,500 assessments in the first year, 2,000 assessments in the first year. Now, mm -hmm. will more than 2,000 organizations be pressured to get their assessment? Will they will they get scared into needing their assessment through, through factors other than DOD and what DOD mm -hmm. is saying? Absolutely. But from DOD's perspective, 85 teams... 1,700-ish assessments, 300-ish DibCAC level three assessments, that's probably plenty of capacity from DOD's estimates and from their perspective for the, the phase rollout to start. And then from there, the growth in the ecosystem and the demand from there. If you jump that up to 100 assessment teams, only 100 CMMC assessment teams, which doesn't sound like a lot, that's 2,000 assessments per year. So you know, if you're somewhere in that neighborhood for the first year, then from the DOD's perspective, there is there is no problem. And whatever assessment capacity problem does exist isn't a problem of their own making. Right. It's a problem between you and your customer, which is not a it's not a very empathetic answer, but that's that's been their answer now for quite some time. OK, so uh, when you're talking about, you know, uh, you know, we talked about how they're not planning on having all 80,000 companies assessed in the first year. Let's just assume, let's just assume based on the numbers, does, do you think we'll have 10 to 15 CMMC assessment teams? Will we have 10 to 15 lead assessors by the time we get to Q1 2025? You know, again, from the DOD's perspective, like, do you think we'll have 15 lead assessors? Well, I would think that there's enough time in between now and then to have it go except for the lead assessor program that certifies these people is on hold pending well, rulemaking. Sure. But let, let's say the rule comes out and then that, that right. program, that program gets kicked off. You've got about a year between the time that the rule is published and the time the rule goes final. Right. Yeah. Like I said, you're going to have lag time on these things, but you're not going to have a significant amount of lag time. I ask this question because if you end up with 10 to 15 lead assessors, which does not seem like a stretch to me, uh, you have essentially doubled the capacity of DOD's assessment mechanism, because you have 10 to 15 DibCAC teams, you have 10 to 15 CMMC assessment teams. So on paper, the first month, the first 90 days, the first six months of the rollout of CMMC is 
doubling the capacity of DIBCAC assessments, a win for the DOD from their perspective. Absolutely. It yes. is absolutely a win, especially when you imagine that all of the certifications, all of the numbers, all of the increases, everything that exists in the CMMC ecosystem right now exists before CMMC technically exists, right? You've got 600 CCPs, you got 200 CCAs, you got 50 C3PAOs, and CMMC doesn't exist in the Code of Federal Regulations. It's not written down anywhere. The rule hasn't been published yet. So from DOD's perspective, you have like just sort of pre-positioned a huge amount of capacity compared to what you had before CMMC started to sure. become a thing. Like, what is everybody talking about that there isn't enough assessment capacity? So I think it's a perspective issue from the first week, the first month, the first 90 days, first six months, first year of the CMMC rollout is what you have right now before the rule is published and then what you have in that time frame after the rule is published enough to start the rollout. And I think that that mm -hmm. is plenty of capacity for DOD to start the rollout. So, you know, we've talked about this before. Other perspective that I think people should adopt is not just the DOD's perspective, but the implementer's perspective. <clears throat> because when people say there isn't enough capacity to assess all the companies in the ecosystem, you are assuming that every company in the ecosystem is ready for an assessment. And we yep. know through industry reports, through DOD IG assessments, through GAO analyses, through our own anecdotal evidence, through Summit 7, companies are not ready for assessments, right? Like the average company that is going to need an assessment just off the street won't qualify to go through a CMMC assessment because they won't make it through pre-assessment readiness review. So the amount of capacity, the real constraint on the ecosystem is not assessments, it's implementation. And there are far fewer companies that can really do implementation and get you ready for an assessment than there will be companies that can give you an assessment. So, you know, I, I think that we're putting the cart before the horse here and assuming that the ecosystem is ready for an assessment when most companies are not. Yeah. So when the industry, when the ecosystem was given the opportunity to, you know, you're chopping at the bit, you're ready for the assessment. You were given the opportunity to sign up for what? A JSVA. Since the JSVA program has been launched, what is it like 150 companies or something like that something signed like up that, for it? Yeah. yeah, that's a huge demand. I don't think that the 48 C3PAs that we have are going to be able to handle those 148 companies, right? That's a true demonstration. Who was ready? These were 148 that showed interest, right? Now, even less got the, the JSVA because obviously the selection process <clears throat> and availability of DIPCAC, like we, we talked about. But realistically, it's 100% right. I don't think that people are going to be beating down the door saying, please CMMC certify me because I've been waiting with my NIST 800-171 implementations since I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised that they're going yeah. to call up a C3PO for an assessment and then they're going to go through, a, they're going to maybe just have some basic questions about your readiness on the phone and then be like, call us when you're ready. And yep. then they're going to go, what do you, what do you mean? And then it's going to be, as we've seen, 12, 18 months before they're realistically ready to go. And I bring this up because the rule is going to be published and then there's going to be a 60 day comment period, which is standard comment period for rules, right? Mm -hmm. Once the comment period is, ends, then the DOD goes off, they're going to adjudicate all the comments and then they're going to publish a final rule, right? So uh, as we've talked about before, on average, depending on how you count it up, 
it has taken DOD somewhere between 260 business days to about 330 business days to go from published proposed rule to published final rule in the past. This is for every mm -hmm. rule they've done that for since 2009. There's 240 business days in a year. So you're talking about about a year, a little bit longer, depending on how you count it up. I think that they'll be quicker than average because of how fast they want to go and for other various reasons. So you've got about a year after the time that the rule is published before assessments go live and they're available, right? And mm -hmm. all this demand sort of springs forward for the assessments. Here's a fun question for everybody, blast from the past. When DFAR 7012 was revised in 2016, DFARS wasn't, uh, sorry, 800-171 wasn't immediately required, right? There was some period of time until the deadline for implementation. But the rule that was requiring you to implement 171 was revised in 2016. So do you know how long the DUD gave people from the time they published the final rule in 2016 until they had to have 800-171 fully implemented? So the just rhetorically, the, the, the 7012 rule was published in October of 2016. The deadline for implementation was December 31st, 2017, right? So you ended up with 14 months. The DOD said you have 14 months to fully implement 800-171. That's a long time. That's a long mm -hmm. time. Take that amount of time and overlay it on the what, what remains of the rulemaking timeline. It, on average, does not take DOD 14 months to get done with the comments and publish a proposed rule. But the DOD said it will give you 14 months to implement 800-171. We typically see that it takes companies 12 to 18 months. So take our range, take the DOD's number that they gave people in 2016 and put it on top of the rulemaking timeline. It will take less time. <laughs> I'm very confident. It will take less time for DOD to publish their final rule and for assessments to start than it will for companies on average to go through full implementation. So by the, maybe the question is not how much capacity is ready on day one is how much capacity will there be when you're ready for an assessment? Because, you know, if you haven't started yet at this point, you probably won't be ready on day one, unless you get super serious about turning and burning on, on your implementation. But there's just, there's, there's more than one constraint on the ecosystem. And I just don't think that assessment capacity is the one that people should focus on. It's certainly not the one that's going to sort of do anything to the inertia of the rule. I mean, the rules out of OIRA review, we're waiting for it to be published. Like it, it, it's already there. It's already set that we're, the die has been cast here. I, I really missed uh, being able to ask you questions to get you like super triggered and, and send you down one of those wormholes, dude. I loved it. Yeah. I'm glad to have it back, man. Implementation is the issue, not, not assessment capacity. Period. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Buddy, it's time for us to get out of here. Yep. So this is uh this was the AB's ruling uh year in review. Uh we'll link to their town hall below and uh we'll see what happens with the rule here in the next week or two. And uh until then, we'll we'll see you next time. Au revoir, Canada. <laughs>